Here we mentioned the L visa. How does the L visa work and how is it different from the categories that you described previously? Yeah, the, the L visa is called the intercompany transferee visa. And so this visa, um, it allows two different pathways to the United States. One for individuals who are managers or executives who have been working for a foreign company for one out of the last three years they can then transfer to the United States as a manager or an executive for a U.S. office. And so this is a very common visa that's used for big, big organizations who have multiple offices around the world. They may be moving um, banks or, or VPs or managing directors back and forth from New York to Hong Kong to Shanghai, um, just executives moving around. It's been very common for that. But one mm -hmm. thing that's actually... Um, really, really uh, unique and, and, and valuable out of this type of visa category is that it actually allows you to set up a new U.S. office. And so if you've got a company overseas that you've been working at for one out of the last three years, you can actually transfer yourself as a manager or an executive to open up that new U.S. office. Mm. Um, and it's been utilized by a lot of small, mid-sized companies as well. Um, so it's a great way to actually get a business up and running in the States. Um, mm -hmm. There's no minimum investment required. Uh, you do, you just have to have a, uh, a U.S. office space. You need a good business plan. Um, and um, and that's, that's about it. You have to have a company registered in the States, obviously, but um, mm -hmm. very minimal as compared to some of the other investment visas. So it's a great way if you want to set up a branch, affiliate, subsidiary, some type of a relationship like that. Okay. So the company, like the sponsoring organization, the one from outside of the U.S., how long should it have been trading in, in business to be considered like credible? And is there like any minimum turnover for that company outside as a sponsoring organization? There's a lot of speculation about minimum turnover, but actually there isn't any in the law. Um, but the company itself, it definitely has to have been operating for at least a year because mm -hmm. the individual themselves that's going to be transferred has to have been working there for at least a year. And so, you know, the longer that it's been operating, the of course, the larger it is, the more employees it has, all of that looks good. Um, but we have been able to successfully get smaller and mid-sized uh, organizations using this visa. So um, it is a great option if, if the company doesn't want to make a huge investment in the States. Mm -hmm. And is it restricted to certain jurisdictions like the e-visa or is it like anyone from any part of the world has a fair chance of getting in? Yeah, anybody can utilize it. Um, in fact, we're doing um, more than a handful of, of L1 visas for individuals from Myanmar um, who have operations, for example, in Myanmar, but also maybe in Singapore or outside. Um, and now, uh, just because of the, the difficulty, uh, the political uncertainty and, and so forth in, in, um, in the Myanmar, um, they're utilizing this visa as a way to maybe move some of their operations to the United States and set up a new U.S. Mm -hmm. office. And so, no, it's not tied to any particular country. Anybody can use it. Right. And so the individual now who's trying to qualify for the visa, they are going to be leading like market entry, right? So they need to be at least have one year's experience with that company. But what about their personal qualifications, like a master's degree or, you know, is there like a minimum salary for them? Because this is like 
uh, yeah, a senior person, right? Yeah, you know, all of those things, surprisingly enough, there's nothing in the law that says there's minimum. But yes, this is exactly what you've mentioned. The, the more higher of a caliber person in terms of education, experience, salary, uh, management experience, uh, decision-making experience. I mean, this is the person that's going to be in the U.S. opening up this new U.S. office. So they're going to have to get their feet on the ground and, uh, and know how to operate generally with limited support and so forth. So generally more of a mature um, person um, and also... In, in most contexts, English uh, is, is really um, an asset just to get through the interview because I've had some clients who go through L1 interviews and that person is asking what you just asked. Um, so you're going to be the only one in the U.S. Uh, well, if they have trouble articulating what they're going to do, it kind of gives pause in the consular officer's mind that maybe they might have some trouble. Um, so, yeah, good English, good education, um, just usually a, a, an all-around high-caliber person. Right. And in one of the previous visa categories, you mentioned that it's a red flag if the applicant has shareholding or ownership in the U.S. entity. Is that So in this case, if the person is one of the shareholders or perhaps the CEO of the company outside of the U.S. that wants to in turn go set up in the U.S., is... Is that owner allowed to do that? Is, is that okay? They can do that. Um, there are a couple of different tweaks and uh, uh, finessing of, of those types of cases that we do. We just have to be able to show the government that if you've got the CEO of you know company X in Singapore leaving, well, what's going to happen to that company? Do they have a successor? Um, who's going to fill his shoes or his or her shoes when when that person leaves? So all of that needs to be explained. But yeah, absolutely, we, we've done it many times. Okay, great. Please subscribe, like, share, and comment below. Our books and upcoming events are available at htj.txt. Email us at help at htj.txt to engage us to advise on international tax or business matters.